And in this episode of the Digital Electronic World Point Report, today you're going to hear several segments having to do specifically with the coronation of King Charles III. But more on that in the next segment. For now, I just wanted to let you know that these segments that are pending are going to be unusually uncanny as they are forward-thinking yet retrospective. And welcome back to the Digital Electronic World Point Report with your hostess, Margarita. And today, May 6th, is the official day for the coronation of King Charles III. And though for weeks now, there have been many rehearsals and anticipatory celebrations, today is the official, at least in the United States of America, the official viewing of the ceremonies. And one can say that as a coronation of kings, there is much to be said about what it means to have a monarchy in the 21st century. But there is something quite unique and spectacular about the ceremony itself. One cannot ignore or disregard that whatsoever especially given the fact that diplomacy is still necessary this day and age, regardless of what one may think of in any government setting. Whether you are a diplomat or not, you still, in any environment, do need from day to day the necessary necessities of what it is to reside in a well-founded, governance structure. Suffice to say, the coronation of King Charles III, successor of Queen Elizabeth II, to the throne of England, as I said, has had much conversation about it regarding, of course, this existence of a monarchy. Now, many have discussed the conversation more to the point of why didn't all of the family members arrive to be part of the conversation. But that really is a private matter, is it not? Really, sometimes families have decisions that they make, and that is up to discussion within the nucleus of a family. Parents really have it difficult in 2023, though some may not think it. But it has been overthunk often that even families that are more public than private should be a little more open to what people have to say and that sometimes others should make decisions for them. That's not necessarily so because after all, parents are responsible for rearing their own children, no matter how public the setting or how private the conversations. And in the end, it is the values, customs, and moral traditions of the parent structure that is responsible and really does reflect the upbringing of the children as they become adults. 
So no matter how much someone may opinionate, or as some might say, opine, it really does become the decision of the parents, no matter how popular the parents are. The unique thing about Queen Elizabeth is that having served her duty to country until her last breath, it, the service that King Charles III is going to have, it is much later in his life. And so we are thinking of this transfer of responsibility to his power in a bit of a, a different way, considering not only his age. Now, I'm not being ageist, please don't get me wrong. But considering the fact that he has been preparing for this very much since his youth, in the way that he was, as I mentioned before, every family brings up their children. In the traditions or customs and values that are corresponding to their particular family structure, royal or not, monarchy or not. And so, though some might say, well, is it really appropriate for at his point in age to take the throne, or should he just let it go to his children? One can truly see that it is appropriate, not only by the ceremonies, but by the understanding that he really has been preparing for this all of his humanity. But moreover, through the controversies and conversations and changes due to such situations as Brexit, the entire magnanimous movement in Europe and the conversation as to what really does happen when entire structures change, structures that have been thought of as perhaps from a different century, and the validity of those structures is called into question. It truly has been a forthright understanding and the entire continent has realized that there really isn't a true disconnect from that historical context. One can see that not only by the traditions of the ceremony that is the coronation. That's one point. The second point is that even if one were to unravel or dismantle the entire tradition structure, which some have tried, it isn't possible to at all. And I explain this in the following manner. Entire countries have been built upon the very structure that some have made an effort to dismantle. And you can't necessarily destroy that. And that has already been proven. Now, it doesn't mean people can't disagree with some of the historical contexts or the fact that there may have been controversies as to how some situations occurred over the years, over the centuries. 
But truth is, no culture is without fault in its own existence, as neither is any one family or generation of people. And so having said that, isn't it interesting that with so much complexity in the world, we try to whittle it down sometimes to the lowest common denominator because there is so much understanding that it's simply too complex. It's too much of a burden to carry on one's shoulders. And then once it gets whittled down to the lowest common denominator, sometimes one realizes, and this isn't one person, but this can be an entire societal structure, realizes that actually it is necessary to reformulate something that is so important because it actually is an amalgamation of so many layers, of so many categorical truths, of so many other components to historical context that cannot be without. Now, it doesn't mean they haven't changed over the years. It doesn't mean that they haven't been metamorphosized themselves. And one can see that, as I'll explain in the next segment, the religiosity plays a big role in some cultures more than others. When I return. And welcome back to another segment of the Digital Electronic World Point Report. Previously, I was discussing about the significance of why Although there have been many changes to the idea that countries have monarchies and why in an ever-changing economic environment globally, it really isn't conducive for many governments to have them ever present on their sovereign lands. But it really actually has been rediscovering the communicative nature of why there has been a preponderance of truth that having a monarchy and a monarchy structure that is and working within the legalities of the governments that do have them ever present which there aren't many but due to the fact that centuries ago there were structures developed that relied heavily on feudalistic systems and ideas of conquest of land etc which by there and due to the fact that in discussing this at a larger level globally, that of course it isn't something that is acceptable in the same way in the 21st century, although we have these conversations, of course, in today's world about how it's so difficult to find peace. We still have diplomacy, but we discuss it. We have diplomatic relationships with countries about respecting sovereign land in a very delicate way because of the very fact that it is so easy to affect other people without actually placing our feet boot to ground, 
sword to stone as it would have been in the 1600s. But what is the truth is that that makes it even more complex and ever so more important to have clear, concise, and succinct conversations, diplomatic conversations, with leaders that understand the calm, collected ability of leaders of sovereign nations to be able to have that moment of silence, that moment of soothing comfort, which allows for setting differences aside. Because not everything is about trying to conquer a land of someone. Not everything is about trying to move a chess piece. Not everything is strategic. If it were, then everything would be a lemming. Everyone would be a ladybug flying around trying to land on a plant and eat an aphid. And that is not necessarily the way humans exist. Because in nature, there are differences in genus. And humans have a deeper cognitive level of processing in the brain than other members of the genus of anything else in nature. And it is ever so important that we understand why I discussed previously in the first segment and second segment that sometimes traditions are important to be able to maintain because they remind us of the interconnectivity. And that even though we had such things as Brexit, which discussed that dynamic change in Europe in making structural changes in Britain to the European Union and what it meant. Because the connecting of the European Union was really a superb example of uh, synonymous truly with what the United States of America is. I mean, in how many other parts of the world, and there are few other examples, where there are 50 states that are united under one flag. Now, in the United States of America, we do have our differences, of course, yes. You have heard me discuss some of them, just policy-related. But as soon as Brexit began a conversation on separating itself, you know, it really lit the conversation as to could other countries do the same? And then Texas was reminded about what it had in its own state constitution, that little clause that allowed it to secede at any moment's notice if it wanted to vote itself out of the United States of America. Now, of course, it would never think of doing that because it is too intelligent for its own good. Because it is an important part of the United States of America. I don't mean that it's too intelligent for its own good to stay in the United States of America. I am saying that no one in their correct mind would want to leave such an important unification of states. 
The thought has crossed many a person's mind that separating the United States would be important for many. But those are the people that do not know the struggles that it took to unite this great grand country. And those are the people that think it is in their best interest to separate states. You know, I am speaking to you from the great land, golden state of California. And there are many a person, many a voice that do say they prefer to have my great state divided into three because they say, oh, oh, it's too large, too large, too big. No such thing. I would not believe such a thing. Now, many would think it possible, but it is unacceptable. In today's day and age, there are too many people that want to divide. And we do not, I say we, the majority of Californians, this is why it did not actually pass, though there is a small population that really does want to do such disdain and movement and changes to our California state constitution. I, for one, do not believe in that. But the reason that this comes up is because, you see, in the United States of America, we are not founded on religiosity. There are very specific countries and examples where religiosity is actually intertwined with the governance of a country and its sovereignty. England is an example. Even just in the coronation ceremony, you can see the intertwining of legislation, legislators, and the way that the king is directly connected to the church. Now, this isn't unique to King Charles III. With Queen Elizabeth II, it was the same. She represented the church. One can go back to the history of the separation when the particular king who wanted to get divorced and then was not able to actually remarry became controversial in and of himself because then he created his own church. So there's a lot of history, and I'm being very general, but I don't want to go into detail and speak about something to people that already are living in that experience because for me in particular I can see the richness and the plethora of history and tradition which of course would want to be preserved why would it not the very foundation upon which the country is built on relies on the religiosity of the country now once Every single person has worked out its details as to how the legislators work with the monarchy and how that functions within the nuance of the economic truths of the 21st century for 2023, which is much different than it was even, say, five years ago. That is a unique detail that has to be understood because the whole world depends on the global economy. 
And one can see that in the most beautiful components of the ceremony. And that is why so many have attended the ceremony. From church leaders to political leaders to people from all over the world who want to participate in the celebration. So congratulations, there is a new monarchy. And Queen Elizabeth II is surely, happily, resting with her Philip. Oh, and welcome back to the Digital Electronic World Point Report. I thought I would give you an extra bonus added segment. Because as we're speaking about family histories, I don't often tell you a little bit about the history of the name of my family history. Did you know that the last name Carrillo is derived from Juan Carlos de los Carrillos, which means Carrillos means rosy cheeks. So on your face, typically you have rosy cheeks, your cheeks on your face. And apparently, the man, this Juan Carlos, had rosy cheeks, and so the last name Carrillos, that is where this name is derived from. At least that's the historical context that I was given. And additionally, I thought I would give you another little added annotation, particularly since in the ceremony, spurs were part of the ceremony. I am reminded of the time that my mother's godson was commissioned to make a saddle for the King of Spain. Now, my mother did not know the King of Spain, don't get me wrong, but because we're talking about ceremonies and monarchies, and I thought it was fascinating that we're sometimes connected in a most mysterious way to different parts of the world. And we don't often get to see where those end results are. I'll never know where that saddle resulted. It, I did see it, though. It's so beautiful. It has silver, and it's made out of piteado, which is an interesting type of artwork, which is made out of the horse's hair from the tail. Anyways... Her godson was very skilled at that back in those years. He had his own shop. And I had gone to visit my grandmother for two weeks with my mother. And we went to see her godson. And he told us that he had been commissioned by the king of Spain to make that saddle. And he was going to deliver it himself. So she was so thrilled. And I took a picture of her with her godson. And that was exciting. Little known fact, but so true and interesting. Hopefully they enjoyed it because it was leather, but then it had silver. So I can't imagine they actually were going to utilize it for every day. Most interesting. Have a great day. I do have, this is another segment, of course, from the Dewpoint Report, as an addendum. You know, I don't always have all the answers, and I do often have some questions. 
And so I thought I would ask a few questions out into the ethos of the universe. I wonder what the Montagues would think about this coronation. I once had a co-worker named Robert Montague. And though he had a history legacy from England years, generations previous, he hadn't lived in England himself, of course, his relatives had. But I wonder what he would think, because I have found that when I have friends that I ask, who have British background, they have differing opinions. And I also wonder what Kathleen French would say. Her father, Mr. French, had a history from England. remember one sitting at the dinner table and he enjoyed his apple pie so much. Isn't it interesting how we often have different experiences with different cultures? And it doesn't matter what the culture is, but what we remember is the interaction. And of course, Kathleen's last name is not French anymore, but it's so interesting that those interactions her father had so much respect and continues to have amongst all of his future generations i also wonder what some of my other friends would think of today's event. I have a friend, well, she may not remember me anymore, a woman named Yaz. Her name was Yasmin. She said, call me Yaz. And what would she think of today's coronation, I wonder? Those are the types of questions. Because what I found, as I think about it a little further, is it began as coronation of a king, and it seemed as if though it also became his second wedding. But did it need to be a second wedding in order to be a coronation? They would know the protocol because they know the culture in more of its depth. That's why I wonder. I also wonder what my coworker would think that I had at that one job where I worked. And she is the person that taught me how to enjoy a cup of tea with milk. Isn't it interesting that we learn traditions and they stay with us for the rest of our lives?
It was a simple change to how to enjoy a cup of tea. And I don't drink tea often. I'm more of a cup of coffee every day. But what it did do is it opened my eyes to the fact that tea doesn't always just have to be by itself. It can have milk in it. And it was such a simple moment that made us both laugh. Those are the types of social cultural interactions that are so pivotal in today's global existence. Another example of why we should truly understand what other cultures are a little more, as opposed to just saying, Ugh, no more. I don't want to know anything about anything about anyone else. Because when one keeps the door closed all the time to any new understandings, all it makes one is ethnocentric, xenophobic, and scared. Isn't it interesting? Now, that doesn't mean that one has to experiment with and abscond with one's own values or morals. But it does mean that one should truly be open-minded in such a way as to be more aware. At the truth and possibilities. And that truly does conclude today's episode of the coronation of King Charles III. Have a great day. This is your hostess, Margarita, with the Digital Electronic World Point Report.